Hello and welcome to the one, the only, the Iraq Football Podcast. Ladies and gents, it's been exactly 724 days since Iraq first started their World Cup qualifying campaign. And now we are back for the final stage. It's what we've all been waiting for. First of all, Iraq versus South Korea. And very soon after that, Iraq take on our rivals, Iran. I'm your host, Hassanin Bilal. And I'm delighted to be joined by none other than Hassan Osama. Hassan, welcome to the show. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, lots of things have happened, uh, especially uh, Tegak Kat has uh, started his work with uh, Iraq. Uh, exciting times with our World Cup qualifiers coming up. Uh, how do you feel? Uh, it's a bit of a strange one, really. Uh, in one sense, I feel very confident with what we've seen recently under the Kadvokat, with the training camp, etc. But at the same time, you know... Uh, <laughs> with Iraqi football, there's always this kind of lingering pessimism that is there for various reasons. And at the same time, you know, there's this idea of like realism in terms of how long we've had Advocat, the, the challenges he's going to face, etc. But um, yeah, there's been a lot that's happened in the last month. Um, well, you've, you've been following the training camp closely, Hassan. What have you made of what we've seen and what we've heard, etc.? Yeah, uh, my impressions so far is that uh, Advocat is uh, he's doing good work just in terms of like the, the daily trainings, it seems. You know, I'm not there, obviously, but uh, just that's the impression that I'm getting. Uh, still kind of uh, makes me nervous when we see the results of uh, some of the little friendlies that we had against the, the local sides, like especially in Spain, two draws against fourth division teams is uh, not confidence-inspiring. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, we'll see how that actually works in a real game. Those are still just training matches uh, at the end of the day, but uh, we'll see. He hasn't actually been tested in a proper match, and uh, he's going to have a big test coming up soon with uh, South Korea next week. So uh, uh, we'll hope, hopefully the, the training sessions pay off, and, uh, and uh, we'll see how good of a job he's been doing uh, Kind of. It's, it's still early days, but uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how he transitions to Asian football there. Yeah, I mean, he's no uh, newbie to Asian football, but you mentioned South Korea coming up on the second of September, followed very closely by Iran on the seventh. We'll come to those games in a lot more detail very, very soon. But I just want to focus a bit on the um, the training camp. Now, we in the last podcast we talked about what the advocate brings to the table, why they call him the general. Uh, his his philosophy of football in terms of um, having complete control of of training, having a, a particular focus on a style of play that kind of is built on the Dutch foundation of passing and moving, uh, holding the ball, playing possession football, which is something that's let's be honest, it's quite alien to Harare football, you know. Um, and it was so interesting seeing that. Uh, start in in the camp and to see videos of the players and hearing things from within the camp etc i don't know how i don't know why but there were so many leaks from the camp and some of them good some of them bad you know there was uh, there was one player that came out and um said that we've never encountered any form of training like this uh, previously in iraq or with the national team which, you know, it's good. It shows that the Advocat is bringing something new to the table, but it really highlights just how backwards Iraqi football is, uh, that this is the first time these guys have ever trained with a proper coach. Uh, we can look at previous coaches like Zico, etc., but, you know, that's a different generation. That was all the way back in 2011. None of these players were in the squad then, besides maybe just Ala Abdel Zahra. Um, but it really highlights just how backwards Iraq have been and continue to be and, you know, uh, people don't like to hear it, but, you know, the league of uh, our league is just a joke, you know. You have three teams that are semi-decent, and even then, on the, on the biggest stage in Asian football, they are humiliated left, right, and center. Let's be honest. Some people listening to this are going to be upset. They're going to they're gonna tell me, I don't know what I'm talking about, etc. Go on YouTube. Go watch the matches live. Go look at the quality of play. It's, it's shambolic. And a big part of that is coaching. A big part of that is training. A big part of that is professionalism. And Dick Hadvoka has really highlighted all of these issues within the national team. Um, I had 
<laughs> what I heard. Very, I'm going to be leaking quite a few things in this podcast, so stay tuned for that. But one of the leaks that came out was that a lot of the players, say a lot of the players, a few of the players were complaining about Advocate and how strict he was in terms of how he made the players go to sleep on time. Uh, no phones. That if you noticed over the last month, very, very, very few players in Arabic football have actually been posting like selfies and anything on social media. Big part of that is because the Kadbuka has just basically limited the use of mobile phones. No more staying up late. Players waking up at six a.m. to go training. Massive emphasis on fitness. One of the biggest things that the Kadbuka highlighted. Well, the two. Well, <laughs> so many things actually. I was gonna say two or three, but there's a lot more than that. But three of the biggest ones that he highlighted was that uh, a lot of players don't like to use their weaker feet. A lot of the players were very unfit. And the other thing was, <laughs> we really, really have serious issues in goal. You know, what the things that the advocate apparently said about Muhammad Hamid and Fahad Talib is just disgraceful. And that in itself plays a big, big problem. And we'll get into that in a bit. Uh, due to the injury of Jalal Hassan, but yeah, you know, to see the Kanbuka really instilling a new mindset into the team really gives me hope. Because, well, here's one of the leaks. I'm not going to mention which player, because you know, as as a say a, a mole or an insider with with Arabic football and the players, etc. I don't like to. I, I will never mention names. Not because I'm making this up, but because you know, my trust with the players, my relationship with the players, is the only thing I have my integrity as well, so I won't mention the players to get them in trouble, but one of the players, uh, this is a different league, one of the players came out and said, and this is in Arabic, he said, which translates very loosely to Katanich kind of just left us to do what we wanted, and to compare that to the Kadvaka, these players are not used to that, these players are shocked, you know, they come into this camp, and they see this guy who is just bringing in a completely total new approach to training. And, you know, I hope, I hope it's going to have to have a big, profound impact. But part of me also says, you know what, we, we are so behind in everything that this one month crash course of training, I don't know how much positive impact it's actually going to have. Anyway, speaking of Katinich, uh, f- over the last month, I've had big, big discussions with numerous players, people that have encountered him. And if I'm honest with you, not one good thing has been said about Katanich in terms of his training style, in terms of uh, his focus in training, no real tactical approach, no real uh, ideology or identity, all the things we've discussed previously on this podcast, excuse me, in terms of like uh, the style of Arabic football, the, the way we play, the way we approach games, all of it has been confirmed to me in the last month by various discussions I've had with different, different players, Okay. And, yeah, it's, it's, there's so much to be said about this. But we'll come back to Katanich later because I've, I've got more to add about Katanich. I think um, at the start of uh, the, the month, there was a lot of people still complaining, oh, I can't believe we got rid of Katanich. Uh, this is a mistake. We're bringing in the advocate who's passed it. And um, he's, how much can he actually change in a month? Well, if I'm honest with you, the things I'm hearing, the things I saw, it seems like, well, this this might be a genius move. Um, we'll see. But we discussed on the previous podcast saying, do you know what? If we didn't bring in Advocate and we kept Katanich, we weren't going to qualify anyway. So, you know, it's a, it's a roll of the dice. If this works in our favor, alhamdulillah, so be it. If it doesn't, then who cares? We weren't going to make it anyway. But anyway, yeah. Hassan, I'm going to throw this back at you. You talked about the friendlies we played earlier. <laughs> they weren't amazing opposition. But you watched some of the games. What did you think? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's hard to to, to take any kind any kind of uh, you know confidence or, or or any kind of like uh, drawing any conclusions from these kinds of games. Just you know, as uh, they're just training matches uh, at the end of the day. Uh, however, like you know, uh, you you do kind of see a little bit of where the where the which direction the coach is trying to go to uh, with uh, matches like this, and uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of. You know, uh, disappointing that you know we're struggling to score in these kinds of matches still. But uh, I guess uh, the 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 overall play is more important. 
Uh, I didn't get to uh, see any of the, the, months, the, the matches in Turkey. I'm not sure if they were even uh, broadcasted at all. Uh, there were live streams for the, for the matches in, uh, in Spain against the two teams. Uh, both of them, I think they were third or fourth division. Uh, third division. In any case, uh, like, you can kind of see that, uh, that there's like a, a, a foundation. Like that, that too. What he's trying to do is, uh, is get more more uh, the players to uh, play the ball on the ground, kind of move it around a little bit and, and kind of like build some play up. To build up the play overall. Uh, we'll, we'll see because like, I, I don't like to take conclusions from these games uh, in general. But as far as I'm concerned, it's, like it, it's just you know, a training ground scrimmage, basically. Uh, so, like, I, I want to hold my judgment uh, about anything like this until, like, once we've played some actual games. And, uh, yeah, like, uh, as we mentioned, like, uh, 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 about uh, Abukat and the way his, his training sessions are. Look, yeah, this is a coach that, uh, you know, he's coached at the highest levels uh, all around Europe, uh, everywhere, look, in many different countries. And, you know, he really knows what he's doing. He's very, very experienced. And so his training sessions, like, yeah, they're going to be a different world than what uh, our players are used to. I remember way back uh, under the Hakim Shaku days, uh, I mean, yes, he was complaining a little bit uh, about uh, the training sessions, that, like the training sessions with the national team were, were, were a joke back then. And uh, it seems like it's still the case uh, up until now. Hassan, can I just very quickly just interject here? You've, you've raised the perfect point, and I'm not going to mention the player, but uh, during the same manager, um, <laughs> the player that I talked to, he told me, bro, I got to the camp, and within three days I felt so unfit. Because of the training was so backwards, it was so um, so monotoned and like not to the standard that the player had uh, expected it to be to compare to what he was uh, playing at in terms of like club level. So he goes, I went there within three days. I already felt less match fit than when I actually got there. And yeah, really, really plays into the point you're raising in terms of what Ahmed Yassin said, what other players have said to me, this one, not being Ahmed Yassin, etc. We're not making this stuff up. When we talk about Iraqi football being backwards, this is not us talking and making stuff. This is actual professional players coming out and telling you there is a big, big problem in Iraqi football. What are we going to do to address it? It's not, it's not me taking the mick out of Iraq. It's not me... As somebody living outside of the Iraq, looking back and saying, oh, look at these backwards people. No, we say this because we love the country. We want to see our team improve. We want to see us regularly competing for the Asian Cup. We want to see us actually making it to the World Cup. So the, the, the fact that people will listen to this and get upset really speaks about their mentality in terms of their understanding of football, their acceptance of criticism, etc. Please understand, this is not an attack. This is criticism. And criticism, you can ignore it. But it's not going to make it go away. It's not going to make the problem go away. This is what we've said. This is what other players have said. Anyway, Hassan, back to you. Sorry, I had to say that because this is, this is something that I've been meaning to say for a long, long time. But I've never felt the right time to say it. But go on, back yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah. And, and like uh, this, this kind of issue of like bad training or like, you know, the training with zero intensity. But like, this is a, a thing that... Uh, I think it exists at all levels of Iraqi football, and we, we really suffer from it at all levels. Like when you see our national team and we're playing games, like, and our team is like basically finished by the, the 70th minute, they can't even compete. Like you know, <clears throat> that's that's the effect. Like when we when, when our players like they can't continue on for the whole match, and especially when we're playing all of our, so many of our games in uh, in Qatar, where you have intense humidity, high heat. You need a really strong fitness. Uh, you, need, you need to have a very high level of fitness, fitness to, to compete in these kinds of situations. So I really, really hope that uh, that we get to see the results of, uh, of a more intense, more professional kind of training uh, that uh, the Avocat uh, would be bringing. I'm not sure uh, if it's going to make a big difference right away. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure, like you know, if it's gonna. Uh, like we're really going to see the effects in, from the first game, but uh, hopefully progressively, uh, game after game, uh, we will see some improvements there. 
Um, just going back to the friendly games, there's two things I want to mention before I actually give my own uh, insight into what I saw in those matches. So uh, a lot of the games, Advocate actually didn't want televised. I mean, it's understandable. Number one, he didn't see want to see, <laughs> he didn't want us to see the shambles that was some of the performances that we saw, and he didn't want to give away the you know the kind of changes he's he's uh, developing, the ideas he's bringing to the national team, etc. So a lot of the games weren't televised. Um, the other thing I want to mention as well is that the um, the kind of little stand advocate built in the middle of the training pitch that he stood on to get a better, a better view of the um, of the pitch. That to me is unbelievable because it, it gives you. I think one of the one of the advantages you as a fan have is that you get to see a bird's eye kind of uh, view of the pitch. You get to see where the players move. You get to see the the lines they hold when they where they are moving when they are moving off the ball, etc. Problem is when you watch on TV, you only see what's on the screen. But when you're at, at the stadium. You can look at other areas where the ball's not necessarily on that side of the pitch, and you can see the way the players move and the way they interact, the way they communicate, etc. So the advocate actually uh, brought that into the training. Like, that's amazing for me, and it really shows you where this guy is compared to Katinich and the likes of of him. But anyway, so yeah, you you mentioned on like uh, an identity being formed, and this was one of my biggest criticisms of of Katinich. Previously on the Katanich, we'd, we'd watch Iraq and we wouldn't really know what this team's identity is. What does this team prefer to play as? Do they like to maintain control? Are they playing on the counter-attack? Uh, do they rely on wide players, etc.? We didn't have any idea. All we knew is that defensively we were quite strong, but going forward, it was just hoof it up and if it goes in it goes and if it doesn't it doesn't really matter I just cross it in again and see what happens so there was no real actual um, identity in the team first friendly game in I think it was Malaga where the game was being played or I think it might have been Marbella or wherever in Spain already after three training sessions three days of advocate being in charge you already started to see some sort of identity and I'm not saying it was perfect that game was far from a great performance. But I'm going back to identity here. Listen to what I'm saying. You can see the players trying to play football. You can see players getting the ball and trying to pass it. It wasn't perfect. It was very rare you'd see a play, the team make more than four or five passes together. But at least you started to see that transition happening where you're seeing the players try to play a certain way. This is what I mean by identity. It's about your players understanding the style of play that's to be expected. So, yes, the train, the, the, the training games or the friendlies, whatever you want to call them, they weren't amazing. Um, we, we drew a lot. We barely were able to score. But they are training games. The whole purpose of them is to get the players match fit. Um, for Advocate, this is something that's been really important. You know, he's come in on the last second. Um, Unfortunately for us, a lot of our players obviously play in the Iraqi league, meaning that they can actually spend a month away from their club just practicing. Uh, whereas other players that are playing in Europe or other leagues uh, were unable to join. But, you know, uh, in those particular uh, training games, we saw some players tr uh, given a chance. We saw uh, Advocate bringing in some new players, some familiar faces that I was shocked to see. But we'll come to that in a second. Um, the main thing I would say though is that despite the performances not being amazing, we have to remember though that th this came after only a few games of uh, a few days of advocates training sessions, and uh, a lot of players were missing. You know, forget the experts, even like players like uh, Bashar, Safa, Ali Adnan, uh, Ayman Hassan's another one. You know, these players were not there, Amjad Atwan, etc. So it's not surprising to see that the uh, the players struggled. Now, when you bring in the experts into the equation, and it's a completely different picture. But um, one of the things I wanted to mention on this note was this idea of Ghira. So we had previously, I mentioned earlier, a lot of players were complaining about, um, yeah, advocate is making us train too hard, we're not allowed to use our phones, etc., etc. This nonsense that is spouted about the expat players not having Ghira and they, they, they haven't experienced what the Iraqis have 
and they haven't drunk from the, the water of Dijl and Farat, all this nonsense that you'll hear from the likes of Hakim Shakir and his cronies, all of that came crashing down after uh, advocates' training sessions. Because you saw the complaints, you saw the, the little moans, you saw the players, not all of them, but yeah, a lot of them, some of them actually coming out and complaining and leaking all sorts of nonsense to reporters, to their friends in the press, etc. Do you know what? In Iraq we say, Hail bihum. Okay, good, good on them. Because I, I wanted I wanted Advocate to squeeze every single bit of sweat out of these guys. These guys, they complain about lack of ghira that these expats uh, lack. No, no, do you know what ghira is? Ghira is being disciplined. You wear the Iraq shirt that comes with the responsibility of an entire nation that you're representing. People would die to wear that shirt, okay? Expats, wallah, some of these guys, they literally fly only to represent the fans. They have nothing to gain, okay? It doesn't really advance their careers. It's a headache for them. Some of them pocket from their own money just to be able to get to the national team. I know this for a fact, wallah, and I've seen, I've seen the, these players with their receipts showing me, bro, look how much I paid for this flight. Because they paid for me to, uh, to uh, uncomfortable flight, which with two or three transits, etc. These players die for the shirt, okay? So don't come and talk about ghira this and ghira that. When you, as a player, you're not prepared to sleep early. You're not prepared to watch what you eat. You're not prepared to run and do cardio. So on that note, I'm going to leave it there because I'm going to start swearing soon. But yeah, I, I wanted to make this very clear. This whole ghira thing. Inshallah, it stops, but you know, Iraqis and especially some of these fans that it's not all of them. A lot of these fans that just sit and watch Iraqi football, they watch the league every week, and they might occasionally watch like Barcelona versus Madrid or United City or United Liverpool. These guys don't understand football, they, they, their understanding of football is limited to the Iraqi league, and the Iraqi league is a joke. So, do you know what? Unless we change this mentality, unless we improve the league, we're going to be stuck in the cycle of um, just backwards, the ghira this and ghira that. No, no, ghira is discipline. Me understanding that that shirt you wear represents something bigger than you, meaning that you're going to have to make sacrifices, meaning that when you put on that shirt, that Iraqi flag on your chest means something bigger than you, than your brand name, than your Instagram and the number of followers you have. And I'm, I'm going to leave that there. Okay. Hassan, do you want to add anything on that? Am I being harsh? Yeah, totally. No, 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 totally agree. Totally agree about every single point. Like, that's the thing. It's like, when, like, if you're talking about Ria and all of this, like, maybe that may have worked, like, you know, 20 years ago. You know, something like that. If you're just relying on just, you know, this, uh, like, you know, just an intensity from the players or passion from the players. I mean... Football has changed. Even if you want to just talk, like if you're if you're gonna take it out as, as like a face value of like you know players being passionate and everything, football has changed. Like you know, yeah, you have to have disciplined players. You have to have tactical understanding. You have to have like all of these building blocks and fundamentals there. And that's before even talking about like whether you know this passion that we say where we we hear about actually exists because you know. Uh, we're seeing a lot of players like you know they're coming to the national team. They get their first big move to to a golf league, and you know their their performance with the national team is you know it's gone. There's nothing there anymore, uh, which is pretty unusual. Like I don't know. I, I think uh, you know any any kind of argument against you know our expat players, our diaspora players, who are coming from you know around the world to, to represent the national team that uh, at some level doesn't appreciate them, uh, that uh, to to play for uh, an FA that uh, that uh, actively discriminates against them. All of this, they're they're going through all of this, and uh, you know, putting every single like you know, they're playing as best as they can. They're giving everything they have, and uh, you know, when you, when you say that they don't have passion, they don't have leader, they don't have, you know, uh, they don't care about the national team. It's all nonsense, uh, and it's, it's just uh, outrageous to me. I just want to add a few points um, to what you've said, Hassan. So you mentioned like uh, how football's changed. Even as far back as, let's say, five or six years, okay? Another thing that I was told by a player, 
he goes to me, when I got there, when I got to the training camp, I was waiting for some sort of tactics to be introduced, some sort of tactical training, etc. He goes, instead, all I would hear is talk about Ghira and what it means to represent Arab. And he goes, even at one point, the coach starts talking about Hitler. He goes, I don't, I don't understand what the hell is going on. I'm not sure what he was talking about. But when he starts talking about Hitler, I'm just thinking, what am I doing here? Like, what's this guy talking about? Why am, am I representing the Iraqi national team? And this is the coach that's supposed to be leading us to the World Cup against master tacticians. You know, look at, look at the managers that are going to be making it to this upcoming World Cup. How can you actually look to compete at that level when you have managers like the likes of um, Hakim Shakir, etc. Okay, it's just unheard of. It's a joke. If you think about it, like, Wallah al if we actually qualified to the World Cup under those clowns, we would be humiliated to the point that I think people would turn the TV off. Like, Iraq would turn into like a meme. So, do you know what? Maybe it's a blessing we've never qualified because we don't deserve to qualify under those clowns. And finally, Hamdan, it seems like the FA have come to the conclusion that. We need something bigger and better and something new. And hopefully Dick Advoca is that change. And if it's not him, maybe he's the start of something new. A, a new mindset, a new approach to, to football. But, you know, it's one of many, many changes that we need to see. We talked previously in the last podcast about how things need to change at a grassroots level. How the introduction of uh, youth teams needs to be taking uh, place with, with new leagues, new, new clubs, etc. Anyway. Um, just to before we move on, we've mentioned Katanich. Um, I want to really put this to bed in terms of the people that are still complaining about advocate coming in versus Katanich. I mentioned a little bit earlier about how uh, some of the players, and it's not one player, it's numerous players, have talked about him the lack of tactical training, the lack of discipline that he instilled in the team, the way he was a yes man, constantly taking orders from others, not really fighting the corner. Uh, and on top of that, I've also heard recently that this guy was just a massive arsehole. Excuse my French. Okay, uh, to the point that not just he's rude to other players uh, and other staff members. This guy would walk into the training and just be aggressively rude to the, the caretakers, the cleaners, the, the cleaning staff, the chefs, etc. Okay, so let's put it to bed. This idea that Katniss was the right man. He wasn't. Come to terms with that and stop talking about it, please. Okay, move on because we're past that era. And I think look at who Katanich has just signed up to be their manager. If he was any good, there would have been a plethora of teams queuing up to sign him. But no, if anything, he's actually gone backwards in terms of the the, the country that he now manages. Well, I'm not going to mention just out of respect to them. So that brings us on to the squad selection. It's a, we're in a bit of a strange situation right now. So um, we have a 25-man squad, but um, that means two players will now have to be dropped. We don't know who those two players are. We're gonna find out very, very soon. But yeah, we're, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to move that down to 23 players. Uh, Hassan, a lot of a lot of changes into the squad. Like, what did you think of of, uh, of the squad selections? Yeah. Uh... We saw, first off, a lot of familiar faces. I think uh, the FA had to initially, for the, for the training camp, they, they gave him a squad. But uh, for the final squad, that well, uh, there's going to be some, uh, some changes maybe a little bit, but uh, I guess the big change is, is uh, the, re- the inclusion of uh, expats. You know, I mean, Amari, Justin Miram, uh, Franz Potros, uh, you know, uh, and then also some force changes, especially the goalkeeper position. Uh, both Jalal and Mohamed Hamid are out uh, from injury. Uh, so we've got uh, Mohamed Saleh uh, coming in, Mohamed Basin, Mohamed Faleh, those are the three. Uh, the, rest of, the rest of the squad is basically like what you would expect. Like, you know, we've got Mohamed Ali, uh, Ayman Hassan is in, Ali Abbas is, he had some issues with his club. And uh, he's not with the national team for this uh, for this round. Uh, Ibrahim Bayesh, Nasafahadi, 
بشار الاسد يو نو انا ذا ديفنس يو نو البرنامج اللي عندنا سعد ناطق عليه فايز لو كيت اي كي جو تو ذا هول ليست بس اتس بري بيسيكلي وات يو اكسبكت فور ذا موست بارت بلس ذا اكسبكت تو فاينلي وي جيت تو سي ذيم باك وذ ذا ناشونال تيم ويتش اي ثينك از غونا بي ون اوف ذا موست سيجنيفيكنت تشينجز اند هوبفولي سمثينغ ذات ميكس ا بيج امباكت فور ذيز نيكست ماتشز You mentioned uh, one of the key things I wanted to discuss, which is the injuries to the goalkeeper. Um, so Jalal Hassan, Hassan was obviously injured, and um, we mentioned in one of the previous podcasts, like just how important he is to the national team. Not that I think he's it's like particularly good. He's an all right goalkeeper, bless him. He tries, but the thing is, is that we just don't have anyone that's competent in, uh, as a second uh, goalkeeper. So we've seen Fahad Talib. Fahad Talib's terrible like uh, i hate to say it, he's a terrible goalkeeper every single time i've seen him he just got a mistake after mistake lined up uh, ahmed basil there's a lot of hype around him um, i've seen him with the olympic team i've seen him a couple of times at club level again poor distribution weak from aerial threats um, and now add the pressure of him um, being the main goalkeeper for the iraq national team uh, i think he'll crumble and i think he'll make loads of mistakes Uh, Mohamed Saleh, I don't know anything about, but if I'm honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being the uh, the goalkeeper that starts, uh, given from what I've seen from the other two. But it's it's really really worrying. Like we're gonna go into this game at a massive handicap, and uh, without Jalal Hassan, it's it's actually scary, you know. Like with with Jalal, when the ball goes back to the goalkeeper, you you're not entirely panicking. But with like Mohamed Hamid, I mean, thank God he's injured because if I had to watch him play. I would have been terrified. Like he, he just—he instills a fear into you as a fan, and God knows how he makes the other players feel. If you're, for example, Ahmed Ibrahim or uh, Saad Natak or Ali Faiz, you don't want to know behind you there's Mohammed Hamid standing there, because you know any mistake, and it is almost certainly going to be a goal. And when you're playing against the likes of Iran and South Korea, that is intimidating. You're not going to try to play the ball forward. In fact, you're going to actively the second the ball comes to you, you're going to hoof it. Right, so I don't know how bad things are gonna be this time round. I just hope it's not gonna be as bad as Mohammed Hamid playing. But like I said, Ahmed Basil and Fahad Talib, I have zero faith in them. I hope to be proven wrong. I'm, I would be amazed and delighted to see that actually these guys are our best players in the next round when we record the next podcast. But I'm not holding my breath. Let's put it that way. Um, now on to the expats. There was a list of different players that were mentioned. Uh, amongst them are the three that are selected in this team. Now, there's been a lot of talk about these particular three and the, how much faith Advocate is going, has in them. So Justin Miram is a player I've talked a lot about, how much I think um, the team suffered without him. A player that can actually dribble, that can create, that is smart in terms of his movement, drawing players in and out of position, creating, scoring, etc. Um, then you have Franz Butros. Uh, Franz is he's a good player, you know. Uh, he's never really had a proper chance with the national team, despite what some clowns might say, saying, "Oh, he had a very, very terrible uh, game against Vietnam." Yeah, he played in a three, three-man defense for the first time ever, playing at centre back. What do you think was going to happen? You think he was going to, he's going to be amazing? No, of course not. This guy's barely played for the national team, and you're putting him in a position like that. Uh, of course, he's not going to play play well. Put him in his natural position. Let's see what he can do. Okay, and to be fair, like who are we comparing him to? Alam Hawi. Alam Hawi shouldn't be playing football. Let alone starting for Arab. So, uh, I mean, Franz Potros for me is a definite star. No questions asked. Um, and that immediately that backline looks suddenly a bit more sharp. You know, uh, Franz Potros. Let's say Ahmed Ibrahim, and next to him, um, Maytham Jabbar. I'd imagine is going to be the player that plays and on the left. Uh, I don't know. I'd imagine it'll be Ali Adnan, but to be fair, in those friendlies, he looked terrible. He looked so heavy and slow, and passed it that I wouldn't be surprised if we see Dorham suddenly playing. But uh, wait and see, I suppose, on that one. And then in midfield, um, Bashar Rasen uh, returning, Safat Hadi returning, and uh, I, I'd be very, very surprised if Amir Al Amari uh, doesn't start. Like this guy is a complete baller. He's he's a young kid, and from what I hear, 
like Advocate is really excited about this one. This guy is going to bring a completely new uh, approach to our midfield. He carries the ball well. He can pass very well. He can take on players. He can he can uh, play long. He can play short. He can score from distance. He's like his his compilations of goals are unbelievable. He's good in the air as well. He's not afraid to get into the box. Uh, I think out of all the players, he's the one I'm most excited about, and I'm not surprised to hear that Advocate feels the same. Um, so I'd imagine that's going to be our, our three in the middle. On the left, again, uh, Justin has to start. And I'm, I'll be very, very surprised if he doesn't, based on what I hear. Um, and then up front will be Mimi, but that it leaves the question of who's going to be on the right. I don't actually know. Um, might be her mom. I mean, it's not somebody I'm a particular fan of. But I don't, I don't actually know what's going to happen there. Who, who would you have on the right, Hassan? Well, it's, a, it's kind of a difficult thing because I'm not sure. I'm not sure we have anybody who could play there. Like I think maybe Shirko or might be able to, but I'm not sure. I don't think uh, he's been playing. And even Shirko, like there's some uh, some uh, rumors that he might even be tried as a as a right back. Uh, I think, unfortunately, I think we're gonna probably see Amon Pladuk. Uh, he does have maybe one or two games in him, like where he might play well, but you know, I don't, not holding my breath. I think, uh, I think he'll pre probably be playing because I don't see anybody else who could really play that position. Uh, I'm, I'm a lot just of our best swingers are. Yeah, I'm just looking left. at I'm looking at the squad now, and the only thing I can imagine would be like a an alternative solution would be pushing Bashar to the right and bringing Emjad Atwan to the middle, so that gives you a, a midfield of Safa and uh, Atwan. Which not amazing, but as a defensive setup, they can hold their own. And then you give Amir a bit more freedom in the middle to go forward, working alongside Justin and Bashar and Nimi. As a front four, that's quite a good uh, good start. To be fair, I wouldn't be disappointed to see that. So you know that might work. It'll be exciting to see what those four players can do together. Um, <laughs> if we don't see Amir and Justin start, I would be very very upset. To be honest with you. Just because I don't have much faith in the other players. But we're going to have to wait and see. It's, it's quite unfortunate that these players are going to fly out uh, and join the national team so, so late. I think they're going to join uh, like three days before. So I think they might even be flying out tomorrow or the day after. So it will be interesting to see how quickly they adapt and you know what, what, what um, advocate makes of, of them on such a short notice. But... One of the things I wanted to mention was this whole uh, situation with the expats because so there was a short list I think it was right like eight players that were mentioned initially obviously one of them immediately ruled out was Rawan Amin I don't know why this guy was even mentioned as part of it because Rawan Amin and I love the guy he's going through quite a tough time in terms of his injury and it obviously takes a while to recover from something as drastic as ACL surgery well I've I've had ACL surgery myself I've had an ACL injury and it's it's not a straight process in terms of recovering. You, you get injured, then you do your physio, then you get injured again, and it's just a continuous cycle until your muscles develop and, and you, you, you kind of get used to the injury and you kind of work around it. But it's a very lengthy, very difficult uh, injury, especially for somebody who's a professional footballer, you know. Uh, obviously, they have like very good medical teams, etc. But, you know, the, the human body is a human body. It takes time and it, it needs to, it needs to heal. So the fact that he was mentioned in that set out was a joke anyway. Then you had those three, so that's four. Now another player that was mentioned was um, Rabin Sulaka. Now Rabin, he's obviously just moved to a big team in Thailand. Um, he he was quarantining, then he picked up an injury, and the league's starting soon. So if he joined the national team and he went back to Thailand, he was going to have to quarantine again, which um, to be fair, I wouldn't be surprised if the club even said no to him joining. As we've seen from the Premier League, uh, a lot of uh, teams in the Premier League, I think all of them have agreed unanimously to not let any players travel to the national team for any countries that are what we call on the red list, meaning that if, the, if a player flew to that country, they would have to come back and quarantine uh, in a government facility for, I think, it's 10 days. So um, to, to ask uh, Rebin to actually join the national team, Excuse me, it was absurd. 
and it was not going to happen. And then at the end of the day, uh, Robin was injured anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But I've spoken to Robin recently. I think it was yesterday. Uh, I was messaging him, and he goes, "Yeah, bro, I'm good to go for the next round. I just need to get fit again." Um, and that, that's just a matter of uh, games. So that's five. The sixth one was Osama Rashid. Now this is going to be a lengthy discussion, so bear with me, Hassan. Osama Rashid, Dutch born and bred. Okay, just like uh, Rowan Amin. He was a player I fully expected to see in the national team. Because Advocate is going to be mindful of the, the kind of the youth uh, approach to Osama's training and how close it will tie into what uh, Advocate knows and is familiar with. But the fact that Osama was uh, removed from the shortlist on the last minute really, really irritates me. Because it tells me one thing. There are people like Basil Gorgis that are whispering all sorts in terms of uh, talk and, and trying to influence the national team through Dick Advocate. Now, we know Dick Advocate is not a yes man. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that this is a manager who's joined and he's only had less than a month to actually get the team up and running. So he's going to have to rely on... Um, people's opinions, people that uh, are close to the national team and he's going to have to see uh, what they think of players, what players should be invited, etc. So, that explains why we saw the likes of uh, Muhammad Abdurrahim re-invited into the national team. A player who's been appalling at the best of times. Why was he invited? Well, someone's told the Kadvaka, yeah, this guy's good, trust me, bring him in. No, that, that whatever you want to call it, that's a wasta. Either he's a friend or the guy's a big fan of him or whatever. But that's how that guy, oh, Mohanad, ended up back in the national team. Okay, Fortunately, the Kadvagat saw he's actually terrible and removed him from, from the squad very, very soon. I mean, talking of removing from the squad, we've not even started talking about what happened to Hussein Ali. But, you know, that's we talk about ghira and discipline, etc. That just feeds perfectly into that. But anyway, um, another player, not Osama. Um, was talking to me about why he's not making it to the national team, and he told me, "Bro, I told, uh, I told uh, Basil Gorgis because Basil, like, advocate's not going to be there calling players. You know, you need to understand that this guy is he's a coach. He's not there on the admin side of things. So who's in charge? Basil Gorgis. Basil Gorgis is going to be the one that calls the players, tells them, listen, I'm booking your flight for this day. Can you make it to the national team? Are you fit, etc.' Now, Basil Gorgis." spoke to one player that player told them listen this is my situation if advocate wants let him call me i want to speak to him directly to explain the situation because you know the player is aware of the stuff that comes out against expert players and this and he doesn't want to represent Iraq, etc we've seen it happen to justin we've seen it happen to a few other players all that nonsense that comes out so uh, the player was like listen just let me speak to the advocate i just want to explain things to him what does basil gorgis say he goes nope he goes, why? I just want to explain it to him. I want to, I want to talk to him. He goes, yeah, listen, if you want to speak to him, write me a text message and I'll show it to him. Because, I mean, what kind of response is that? If you're a player that's been selected to represent the national team, what kind of method of communication is that? How, how can you, as a player, know that that message is going to reach the, the manager? It's not going to be edited. It's not going to be um, modified or changed or manipulated. You don't know that. But it goes to the bigger picture in terms of like the actual influence on the on the Iraqi national team, especially the squad selection, because advocate is relying on others. You know we need to understand this. A lot of what's happened here has not been down to the advocate. Whatever the media says, whatever is being leaked, a lot of it is down to people having an influence through their their communication channels with the advocate. And I think we'll see very clearly over the next uh, few games and after that just what the advocate makes of these players that have been selected. So, the fact that Osama Rashid was not selected is very, very suspicious to me. Very, very suspicious. Because he was, if, if he, was uh, he was one of the few players that I was quite certain we would see back in the national team. The fact that he isn't was, well, yeah, suspicious, to say the least. Okay, so that's six players. Now, the one that's killing me is um, Jilwan. Apparently, apparently Jilwan 
was dropped in uh, instead of Ala um, Abdizar. Now, whatever you want to say about Ala Abdizar, his stats speak to himself. I think he's got something like 15 goals and like 115 appearances or something embarrassing. But I'm not going to sit and humiliate him. I think he has a role to play. I think a lot of the expat players like him. He speaks a little bit of English. He just tried to integrate them. I think as a captain, he's experienced. The players tend to like him, etc. So I think he has a, a role to play in the team. What annoys me is the excuse that was given. This whole nonsense about um, he was not match fit. Now, Jilwan, I spoke to uh, about a week ago. We had a long, long conversation. And he was telling me that, look, I'm not fit. Uh, I've been out of football for three months with an injury and, you know, the preseason, etc. He goes, but um, I've just signed uh, with a new club. I'm starting to train with them. And he goes, I'm going to try to get two games under my belt before the national team so I get there completely match fit. Lo and behold, he does. He plays. He plays the games. Uh, he even gets an assist. Uh, I think he lasts the full 90 minutes. And he's ready. He's ready to play. But, you know, he's dropped. Um, and just looking at that squad, again, same problem. You know, we don't have a real playmaker. I think Justin brings in something from the left. Uh, Emir is going to be excited to see down the middle. But you need something a bit more than that. You need against a team like South Korea that are very tactical in their approach. They hold a high line. They, they, they are able to actually maintain a tight defensive lineup. You need a player like Jilwan that can actually find those gaps and find those passes. And I think we're going to really, really miss him. And the fact that uh, he's not there uh, because of Ala Abdizahra is quite quite difficult to accept. Okay. And then uh, the final expert that was mentioned is uh, uh, Mohanad Jahazi. I think with him it's a bit more complicated and I can understand obviously why he wasn't chosen. But to, to see that shortlist of eight players narrowed down to just three... It's quite disappointing. It really should have been five. Jilwan and Osama should have been there. Osama, I love him, uh, but I think Safa and uh, and um, and Atwan, they're okay players. But Jilwan is must have played in that national team. Must have. The fact that he's not there is is a crime. But anyway, um, I digress. But just on the note of this uh, this whole idea that oh, yeah, Jilwan isn't match fit. You have Safat Heidi, who's not played a game of football in about two years properly. Okay, he's gone to Russia, not done very well. I'm not not criticizing him; just it hasn't worked out for him, as it hasn't worked out for Ala Abbas, as it hasn't worked out for Mimi. You know, we talked earlier in the podcast about our players just being behind other countries, our league being behind. This is proof of it. Our players are going to these other leagues and failing. Look at Iran, man. These players, I hate to say it, but their players go to Europe and they're smashing it. You have players in Zenit being linked with Leverkusen. You have um, you have players in Porto playing regular Champions League football. Then you look at where the Iraqi players are going from Portugal back to Iraq with the tail between their legs. But it's it's humbling, but <laughs> unfortunately I don't see it being corrected anytime soon. So yeah, it's frustrating. The other one obviously is Ali, uh, Ali Adnan. Ali Adnan, how long has Ali Adnan uh, been without? any games you know he's pretty much a free agent well he is a free agent now but he's been a free agent for the last year and a half or however long it's been since he's actually had a game and yet these players they're the ones constantly being brought back into the national team whereas people like Jilwan or Osama these guys are the ones that are sacrificed because you know they have no one in the national team as a wasta other players Mohamed Abdurrahim, Ala Imhawi these guys yeah they're not as unlucky let's put it that way Harsh, Hassan, or fair? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's quite fair. Like uh, the reasoning, like especially that's one that's one got me is that, that that last point is when you're saying Jinwan is, is isn't going to make the cup because he's not match fit. It's it's just ridiculous to me. I think they should have, if they're going to lie, make up uh, something else that isn't so obvious. Because you know, you just said like you have Safadi, Ali Adnan. They haven't played a game in so long. Like Ali Adnan hasn't played a game since like last fall, maybe. It's been almost a full year since he's played a, an actual game. He's just been training with uh, with Whitecaps with their reserves, even because he couldn't leave to play with their their main team uh, when they were based in, uh, in the U.S. So 
it's it's just outrageous uh, that, that you've got this guy left on the side. He's already played more games than, than both of them over the last two years, uh, just in his last uh, his last match with uh, with Arebro. So it's just it's just ridiculous, and uh, it is kind of suspicious that uh, we, we had a full list of I think it was it six six uh, expert players or eight, something like that. Eight. Yeah, eight, eight, and it all got cut down to three. And uh, I think there were there there were rumors from back then, but back in just time that there was a, a quota of only three. So I don't know uh, could that be related. Who knows? But uh, it is kind of uh, kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I hope hope it doesn't come back to bite us in the ass. All right, so let's let's focus on upcoming games because that's really the priority here, and it's taken us fifty minutes to get to this topic. Right, um, South Korea, Iran. What are we expecting in terms of their their styles of play? How are Iraq going to turn up for these games, etc.? Tell me. Yeah, uh, well, Iran. That's going to be the second game, and and we know how they play at this point. We played them so many times in the last few years uh, that uh, you know uh, South Korea is going to be a little bit different. We we haven't played them in in a, in a competitive game in a while. I think I think maybe the last time may have been twenty fifteen Asian Cup uh, for the. Semi-finals, I'm not sure, uh, but uh, yeah, it's a, it, it is traditionally one of the best teams in in Asia. Uh, so they've all, they're always top four. Uh, they seem to be a little bit uh, more beatable lately, just based on their results. Uh, you know, having tight games against Vietnam, they won two one, but uh, you know. Uh, you can score against them. That's the main point. You know, Qatar two one uh, win, but you know, you, you like that's the thing is like we can score against them if uh, if we're playing against them. Uh, it's, I don't see them as like kind of the Japan level where you know we go into this game and it's like if we score against them that's a victory. Uh, but uh, it's it's still uh, having said all of that. I think this is a team full of. Experienced players, uh, who, players who are experienced in, in European leagues, you know, uh, a team that uh, that has in uh, as their as their talismanic player, uh, Sam Young Min. That's not a team that uh, that uh, that you go in like you where you, you where you uh, you underestimate them at all. You should never do that. They're the player overall, player for player, they're better than us. That's no doubt. So, you know, the first two games are going to be very, very, very difficult. Uh, it's a very tough way for uh, Abukat to start his, uh, his uh, time with uh, Iraq officially in official games. I'd be happy if we got, uh, you know, two points from those first two games, honestly. Yeah, we'll come to, we'll come to predictions. Conference. We'll come to predictions right at the end. Yeah. But um, yeah, so Dan AFC messages are saying uh, the chance of qualification, which games are winnable and which will be tough. I think you've answered that. At this stage, there are no easy games, you know. Um, it's unfortunate we're starting one of the hardest games and then working our way backwards. But, you know, there's no easy games. You know, Surya are not a bad team. Lubnana are not a bad team. UAE are definitely not a bad team. But we're starting off against South Korea and Iran. I think with South Korea, we're talking about a team that's very disciplined team that's good on the ball, a team that will uh, move the ball very, very quick, a team that's fit. But you're right, you know, this is not the South Korea that people expect to compete with, like the likes of Japan, etc. This is a team that can be beaten. Qatar have beaten them. Iran have uh, drawn against them. Uh, Lebanon have drawn against them. Uh, they barely beat Turkmenistan in the last round. Um, they barely beat China. So they are there for the taking. Does that mean that I think we're going to batter them? No, absolutely not. You know, I think it's going to be a very hard game. I think we're going to go into that game very cautious. Advocate's not going to want to lose that, that first game. Uh, and I doubt he's going to play attacking football. I'd imagine it's going to be very um, very cautious in the setup. And I'd, I'd, I'd take a draw in a heartbeat. You know, I'd, I'd bite your hand off for a draw in that first game. The last thing we want is to go into the Iran game having, draw, uh, having lost that first match. Because psychologically, it's going to be very, very difficult. Um... Iran, we know what Iran are about. Uh, they're a good team. They're a very, very good team. They have very uh, good players. They can really hurt you in the counter attack if we're not cautious, if we're not, um, if we're not tight at the back, if we're not at hundred percent. Then that game is going to be a write off. You know, the, the last game we played, yeah, we only lost one 0 but on another day, 
could have been three or four. But having said that, we know we can beat Iran. You know, Iran are uh, our biggest rivals. Our players know that. Our players usually turn up for that, and their players are going to be annoyed at the the last result. So if they turn up, we have a chance there. Um, it's just unfortunate that Iraq are going to be one of the only teams in all of Asia that are not going to be able to play their home games in our territory. If that game was in Basra or Najaf, for example, yeah, it's a completely different picture. You know, players coming in with the fans behind them, Iran players looking around, seeing an entire jamhur behind the Iraqi national team. It's intimidating, you know. There's a reason uh, results vary away and home because it actually does have a profound impact on players. But yeah, it says what it is, you know. It's one of those things we're gonna have to deal with. This is the reality of being an Iraqi football fan, and um, the players need to rise up to that challenge. And um, if we are going to qualify for the World Cup, then this is just yet another hurdle that we need to deal with. But yeah, we'll see what happens. So Hassan. I hate this bit, but what are your predictions? Let's start with South Korea first. You go, then I'll go. Yeah, uh, my hopes and my expectations are two different things. Alright, what's your so, prediction? Uh, what's your yeah, prediction? The prediction. Yeah, yeah. So my prediction. I don't. I don't see. You know. Uh, I don't see us getting a win in the first match. Uh, I think uh, you know going out to to Seoul to play against uh, South Korea for the first opening game uh, as uh, Avocat's very first you know official game for for Iraq. It's it's going to be a very very tough situation. Uh, I think I think it's possible like if we if we play an organized game, I think we can get a draw there, which is a very positive result as far as I'm concerned. I'm I'm, I'm thinking we can get a draw there. Okay. Uh, what what's the score then? One one nil nil, two two. Uh, I'd say one one. Okay. I'll go with that. Uh, I'm gonna go with nil nil. I think we're gonna struggle to score in that first game until things start to click with what advocates got uh, lined up, especially with the expert players having just joined. Right now, let's go to the Iran game. <laughs> what's gonna happen there? What's your predictions, Hassan? Yeah, these are always very, very difficult to call. Uh, anything goes in these kinds of matches um, because it really depends. Like, like any derby, like it's you know depends on the players. Uh, I think, like, ideally, I hope and what I think we can do is I think we can win in these matches. But uh, you know, still, uh, it is still early days, uh, and I think it's going to be a tight match. That's uh, what I expect. Uh, you know, similar to, to like our last matches, which were like very, very small margins. Like, you know, for, so uh, I think that trend will continue. And I think, you know, I think this will be another draw. I think 0-0 uh, for this one. I think, uh, I think it's going to be tough, man. I think Iran's a very, 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 very good team. Uh, I think they're, they're improving all the time underneath uh, their new manager. And I think they're going to be full of confidence coming into this game, uh, having beat Iraq in the previous game, and us looking comfortable, uh, well, them looking comfortable beating us. But I can't sit on my own podcast and talk about my, I predict Iraq to lose, so I'm going to try to be a bit more optimistic. I want to say it's going to be a 1-1 draw against Iran, so... Um, neither of us think we're going to win any games, that's interesting. We're both predicting two, two, draw, uh, two different draws. But um, yeah, let's wait and see then. Hopefully, hopefully we're both wrong and we get some uh, wins under our belt. That would be an amazing way to start. I think if we end up getting two losses, which I'll be honest, I wouldn't be entirely surprised by that. It does put us in quite a difficult start. It wouldn't be the end of the world. It wouldn't be the end of the world because there's a long way to go. Um, but yeah, we need to take something away from away from these games because it's the top two that qualify and we don't want to be making anything easy for the likes of Iran and South Korea who are going to be favourites in, in, the, in the coming games. And uh, yeah, we need, to, we need to find a way to take something from them. All right, um, we've finished the predictions very quickly. Let's go to the Q&A. Right, um, Jafar K7 tweets us asking, uh, who do you think is going to be the free kick takers and the penalties? And... I think it really all depends on who's going to be starting. You know, I think if Ali Adnan's starting, and I wouldn't be surprised if he isn't, 
I think he's taking them. I don't think anyone's going to be able to have a discussion about the free kicks uh, with the penalties. To be fair, I do trust him with penalties. He's he's very rarely gone wrong with the penalties, and I wouldn't be surprised if he, he ends up taking them. Otherwise, when it comes to the free kicks, if Ali Adnan isn't there, maybe Bashar, um, and under the penalties, maybe Dorgan, if, if he's replacing Ali Adnan in the starting lineup. Otherwise, you know, France, uh, France Potros, He's got a good free kick on him, you know. Um, he's scored the few. And I think Amir Lamar is going to have uh, something to say about that as well. So I think it really depends on who's starting. And um, another question by uh, Tarak Jr. or JR. He asks, uh, what do you think are the flaws in each of the two teams that we're going to play uh, in their teams? Um, do you want to answer that, Hassan, or should I? I mean, I'm not sure. Uh, like, I, I don't watch, you know, a, a ton of you know South Korea's games or things like that. So I can only really have like a, an opinion based on the matches that we've played against them. We haven't played against Korea for a while, so yeah. I don't know. I think with with South Korea, um, they're they a team that's disciplined and they 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 they're organized. But I think we can actually punish them uh, if we play to some degree direct football you know our players are bigger than them they're stronger than them uh, you bring on the likes of for example Ayman Hassan he gets on the back of somebody's headers Ahmed Ibrahim uh, you get some good balls into the into the box and our players are winning those headers you know um, but we need to wait and see Amir Al-Amari he's not, he's not a small guy you know he will, he will jump he will get onto these headers we saw him, we've seen him score headers with uh, the Olympic team as well so um, I think that's going to be the biggest flaw in South Korea. Iran, <laughs> what's the flaw in Iran? Well, um, like I said, they're a good team and I don't want to disrespect them, but I wouldn't be surprised if they get heated up in the game. You know, uh, Iraq, Iran is always an intense game. Sometimes players make mistakes. Sometimes players get angry. Uh, they, they're there to, to fight and to, to get aggressive and we've seen a lot of sendings off previously in uh, Iraq-Iran games mostly from Iran who um, go into that game like ready to die essentially and as a result um, we might end up seeing something similar happening you know if, if Iraq are playing against a 10-man Iran suddenly things change and we're, we might actually get a win there so we'll wait and see. Uh, we'll see how disciplined the Iranian side are. If they're more disciplined than previous uh, teams we've faced. But, yeah, never say never, I suppose. And then final question from Hashimi ATM. How many minutes do you see Amari getting in the World Cup qualifiers? Um, obviously, nobody really knows. Uh, but I would be very, very surprised if he's not starting. You know, from what I hear, I think he's going to be an integral part of uh, Advocates' plans. And hopefully he gets 180 minutes playing both games, uh, assuming he's free of injury, etc. So yeah, hope that answers that. Uh, Hashimi, we're going to wait and see. And hopefully uh, it works out for the team. All right, Hassan, final thoughts? Yeah, yeah, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things that uh, we're going to see from these next games, uh, especially when comes to uh, advocate big changes especially with the national team uh, in terms of the setup in terms of you know the, the way the training sessions have been done and, and even the, the squad lineup so there's a, there's a lot of changes between the last round and this coming round uh, and we'll see it seems uh, from the outside it seems a lot of these changes are positive like you know when we have uh, you know like suggesting Merriman and Amari Spotters being added uh, that the, the the level of the training sessions uh, increasing, you know, all of this uh, seems positive. So it gives me some optimism. Uh, after the last uh, games with Katanech, I had almost zero hope. So uh, uh, hopefully things uh, things look better, not just from the outside, but also on the pitch. And uh, yeah, we just got to hope for the best. These next two games, as we said, are very, very difficult, but anything can happen. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just wait and see. Brilliant. So, guys, just want to say thank you for listening and uh, thank you for all the, the retweets, the sharing, the subscriptions. 
uh, we we can only grow with your support. We hope you enjoy our podcasts, and yeah, we hope you continue to support us. Please share our content with family, with friends on your Facebook, on your Twitter, on the Snapchat, the Instagram, etc. Follow us on social media. Um, subscribe to us on or whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever platform you use, YouTube. And get in touch. We want to hear from you guys. We're always in, uh, interested to hear what you have to say. Uh, we try to respond to as many people as we can, although sometimes it can be tough uh, given how many people tweet us uh, and uh, message us on, on Instagram. Hassan, if we want to message you or we want to hear from you, where can we find you? Yeah, I'm primarily uh, available on, uh, on Twitter at uh, HassanO underscore 1193. And yeah, give me uh, like share make sure share follow everything on our all of our social medias uh instagram twitter everything it's a it's a, it really helps us out it helps us grow and uh so we can continue to make uh, as much content as possible Ag- agreed yeah um so a lot of people follow us on twitter we're nearly hitting six thousand followers now uh, if you're on Instagram, Hassan's been in control of our instagram is doing uh, doing a tremendous job make sure you follow there as well and uh, that at is at Iraq Football Pod. Now, if you want to find me, it's the exact same thing on Twitter, Iraq Football Pod. Um, always keen to share new information there, my thoughts, etc. If you want to hear it, uh, jump on the Twitter account, follow, subscribe. If you want to hear my uh, my opinions as well, another thing is amongst the Iraqi football. Follow me on Instagram uh, at Hassanen H A S S A N A N E. Hassan, thank you for joining us. Yeah, always a pleasure. And hopefully for the next one, we're talking about uh, two wins. Uh, if only, man, if only. Anyway, that's all from us, folks. Yalla, yalla.